Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to the Syrup Arcade Cast, Mobile Syrup's gaming focused podcast. I'm Dean, and across the internet for me is Brad Chankar, the gaming whiz. How are you doing, Brad? Good, good. Uh, long, busy last couple weeks, but excited to chill out and talk some game awards. Yeah, you had a particularly busy set of weeks, and I'm really excited to talk about it more. But before we do that, let's introduce our other guest. Uh, guests, plural. Uh, we also have the not Chris Brown, Chris Brown on this podcast. How are you doing, Chris? I'm great. I'm excited for this week. This is a big episode. Yes, it is. And last but not least, we also have Steve. How are you doing, Steve? Hello. I'm, I'm doing really well, guys. It's been quite, a, quite some time since I've last been on the show, but I can't be more excited to be here talking about the, the Game Awards with y'all. I should also say your last name, Steve, but then I realized I don't know how to pronounce it. How do you... Vigari? You nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Don't second-guess yourself next time. Just just dive right in. (laughs) Dive on in. All right, cool. Uh, Steve, just before we go on further, I love your shirt. For those who are listening, he's wearing a YTV shirt, um, which uh, ages him. Uh, So our our main topic... uh, <laughs> our main topic for this game awards today uh that our main topic for this week is the game awards and we'll also discuss our fantasy draft uh and just to let everyone know like a quick spoiler alert i i didn't win but before we do that let's dive into some of the recent news from this past week uh we'll go straight into the canadian winners of the game awards cool yeah i'll take over from there um we only had a couple, but they were pretty noteworthy. Uh, Sabotage and Quebec City, they won Best Indie for Sea of Stars, a Chrono Trigger-inspired RPG. I've written a lot about that game. I had like a five-part interview series with the creative director, so you can go check that out. Um, Mon- also in Mon- uh, in Quebec, uh, Montreal's Awaseb, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, they won games for Impact for Chia, Tachia, uh, a new Caledonia-inspired action-adventure game. Uh, they weren't there, so PlayStation Shuhei Yoshida accepted on their behalf. Uh, and then I guess it's also just worth noting that Larian, uh, who ultimately won for Baldur's Gate 3, they do have a studio in Quebec that helped out with that game. So they won a bunch of awards, including Game of the Year. So uh, shout-out to them as well. Oh, man, I did not know Larian had a studio in Quebec. Uh, I was actually really cheering for... I, I haven't played this game, but Venba? Uh, and it was really cool. They did like a little Canadian call out to the uh, to the developer and like showed I don't know. They showed some clips of him in Toronto and stuff. I thought that was really nice. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't. They didn't win, but uh, uh, very nice either way. Uh, also, we uh, also have a new contest: a mobile syrup. One lucky person has the chance to win an Xbox Deluxe Edition Baldur's Gate Three game. 
uh, anyone can enter, of course, if you're out, as long as you're outside of Quebec, or anyone in Canada can enter, as long as you're outside of Quebec. Uh, definitely give it a shot. It's I, This game has been out for a while, but it's only recently been out on Xbox, so... You know, there's a chance, and if you if you yourself have already played it, it might be a little nice uh, holiday gift. And uh, I'm going to do a quick shout-out to Antenna. You can read uh, everything we talk about on the podcast and all our news and stuff like that on, on Antenna, our recently refreshed newsletter for all the Canadian news you care about, delivered right to your inbox. And we also have an on-site version of the newsletter as well. So heading into the main topic, uh, we have a lot to talk about. So let's, I figure let's just you know cut some of the other stuff out and just go dive right into the meat. The Game Awards. And this year, Brad, Shankar, and Steve Figari were both there. How was it? You can go first, Steve. It was your first time. Yeah, here. no, it, it was my first time, and I thought it was good. Um, as a participant, as like a member in the audience, I think it was really cool to kind of sit there, take in all the spectacle. I've been, you know, a fan of Jeff Keighley and his uh, productions and everything he's done for the industry for quite some time now. So to kind of see a peek behind the curtain in some ways for, you know, what goes on behind the scenes is really cool stuff. I mean, I think everyone who's kind of kept up with the Game Awards this year knows that a lot of people have some valid criticisms about the production and like the pacing and how much you know is dead time is dedicated to the developers versus the reveals and announcements and the ads and stuff like that so it's kind of a mixed bag from like an objective point of view the production is always just really great but from just my subjective point of view someone who keeps up with the industry and everything i do feel like there was a little bit of work that still needs to go into the game awards next year to kind of ensure that anyone that's you know winning an award or kind of having a platform to speak at the award show kind of has their due and isn't just you know taken off the stage after 30 seconds and that's yeah it's it's kind of disappointing when uh, you know you have someone as good as Larry and win you know some really notable awards like Game of the Year and then they start talking about something heartfelt you know talking about a member of their team who who passed away and then all of a sudden you know they get the music playing off and it's like oh there there goes the uh, the rough kind of like the production side of it that kind of uh, gets in the way but overall it was fun I mean Brad and I got to hang out uh, a, a whole bunch so that was really nice but uh, yeah as, as a whole it was a solid experience and i would definitely go again yeah uh i went last year so this was my second time going um i echo a lot of what steve says the the whole experience surrounding the show i would say is the highlight um i mentioned before sort of after all of these la-based events particularly the game awards everyone sort of goes to the jw marriott hotel which is uh right across the street um, from the theater, uh, the Peacock Theater, as it's now stupidly called. Um, and so you can kind of see a who's who of the industry there, which is really cool. Like uh, one of our colleagues um, from CGM, Dana, got to meet Sam Lake without us. So kind of hate her for that. But that's the sort of thing that you can just kind of in the lobby, you can just run into people, meet them. Uh, we met like the creative director of Blade uh, from Arcane, which is really cool. Dinga Bakaba, he, he did Deathloop as well. Uh, we, Steve got a photo with him, which is really cool. Uh, we ran into Todd Howard again, uh, just having a, um, a a little dinner with some people there. So we Team Canada got a photo with him. So that sort of thing is really cool to just kind of meet them in like a, a, a sort of, it's a very packed environment. They, they could definitely, 
uh, handle that a bit better, I feel, like with the bar and everything. But in terms of just being around, getting to mingle with people, and even before the show, like I got to, the day that I flew in, I got to go to uh, a Warframe mixer, uh, which is cool because they're the London, Ontario-based team behind uh, Digital Extremes that make that game. Uh, and they announced uh, right off as I got off the plane, it's like, oh, we have two special guests. And one of them is Ben Starr from Final Fantasy 16. And the other one's uh, Neil Newbon from Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, and they're both in our game now. And I'm like, oh, cool. So you just get, I got, that was my third time, my second of three times meeting Ben Starr that week, which was hilarious. Hung out with him for a while. He had a pink fanny pack on, which was hilarious. Uh, talked to Neil Newbon for a while. Super nice guys. They, some of our colleagues, uh, Dana's colleagues who got COVID and couldn't make it, they, with, completely unprompted, took her phone and recorded lovely messages for them uh, back home, which is super nice because they're they're big Final Fantasy and Baldur's Gate fans. So uh, really nice guys, uh, and they're really good friends, so they were cheering each other on to win Game of the game, um, Best Performance. So that sort of stuff I love. Um, like Steve said, all of the, the stuff surrounding the awards themselves is kind of unsavory this year. I mean, it's always a... It's a delicate balance, you know, the ads are, and the celebrities and everything are sort of a necessary evil. Uh, we kind of learned to accept those over the years, but the imbalance this year was obscene. Uh, it felt like a really big overcorrection from, yeah, last year, Chris Judge had a nine minute long speech, which, yeah, was a bit long, but you know, on the flip side, you don't need to cut people off at 30 seconds. There should be a happy medium. Uh, like, why are we hearing about Simu Liu talk about his torn ACL for five minutes? Or why is Timothy Chalamet presenting Game of the Year instead of an actual developer? You know, in, in previous years, they had the director of the, the last year's winner, uh, like Neil Druckmann or Joseph Fares, to present the award. So technically, it should have been Miyazaki this year for Elden Ring. If he wasn't there, that's cool. You couldn't have gotten any other developer. It had to be Timothy Chalamet. So that sort of stuff is, is really cringeworthy. And I could understand as a developer that you'd feel pretty insulted by that. And then just some of the categories not even being read on stage like jeff just went through like six of them rapid fire including like best indie which is like that should be what the game awards is about putting an indie on the stage and celebrating them and i don't i'm not just saying that because it's the canadian team if it was any indie developer uh so to their credit right before we started recording ign actually did a really great piece where here's what those people would have said in their speeches if they were actually given stage time so they spoke to thierry from sabotage about sea of stars they spoke to um uh, Capcom because they won the best VR game a few other developers so that was just a really nice sort of uh, way to pay tribute to them uh, but yeah that's uh, I, I definitely like Steve said admire the respect uh, I admire the the, the the amount of work that goes into putting these shows together like I think people underestimate that especially because uh, Jeff is independent so that I, I respect that side of it but there needs to be a better balance going forward, sure. yeah I thought it was weird to have um Kojima talk and then bring on yes. Jordan Peele as well and it was very long it was like I think that was the long I think he had the longest speak time which is uh, not didn't feel right especially since like I feel like the winners should have more time to speak I feel like they were really pushing the whole oh these guys get to talk more because they are putting out a future game that might come out in three five years whereas um people who worked hard f finished games released them this year and sh won awards should have had more time to talk it felt really weird um 
and my friends were, were all like I was watching the show with my roommates on my in the living room we were like what the hell is going on like why are they like just keep going like they just kept naming off winners it 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 definitely felt catered towards uh it definitely didn't feel catered towards the winners which i feel yeah, like is awkward for an award ceremony yeah i think like ign did the breakdown it was like 18 percent of the total three hour runtime was dedicated to like the awards and 82 percent was the actual like ads and everything else which is like it's ridiculous like um, and, and like Steve was saying, like Larian was paying tribute to their animation lead who died like a month ago and you're getting the wrap up sign there. Like, and this is for game of the year too. Like, even if they weren't paying totally. tribute to someone, you'd think game of the year would get the longest time on stage, but like, it's like, or Neil Newbon, he was giving a lovely speech about, Oh, the fans who reached out to Larian and said, you know, you were touched by our game. You moved us. And he was getting teary eyed. Like, what are we doing here? Why are we not yeah. giving them more time? Like it's ridiculous so uh yeah it's it, it's upsetting as a as someone who just loves games so i can't imagine what it is for the people who actually make them uh chris what are your thoughts on this and the game awards i'm basically in the same camp as you guys i don't have a whole lot to add other than it was disappointing to see especially you know he's not running the spike game awards anymore where you have to fit within a certain amount of time we are on twitch and there were so many game announcements, and I will say, actually, I, if you really look at the list of games that were announced and all of that, there are some amazing games in there. But the reality is that by overpacking it with all of those segments and the celebrities and all of the more superficial elements, you actually lose track of what's important, even aside from the awards. Some of the biggest announcements were lost in the fray to the point where I was watching with a bunch of people uh, online and they forgot half of the announcements or they were tuning things out because the show was just way too fast paced. And I agree. It was an overcorrection. I think you said it, Brad, where last year, maybe you had that one thing. And to Jeff's credit as well, he tries to really take the criticism he gets in stride and apply it the next year. And we've seen that several years in a row now. So I'm hoping that there is a correction, but the reality also happens to be that they do have to pay for the show. So there's bound to be some advertising and it just feels like that balance isn't there just yet. So really hopeful for the future. I think a lot of valid criticisms have been made about it, but I still think it was, you know, a decent show overall. And I have faith that next year will be a lot better. Yeah. And even if someone does talk for too long, like Chris Judge from last year, it wasn't, it was, for sure, it was long. It felt very long. I remember it being like, man, he's been talking for a while. But it was still really heartfelt, which I feel like is more important than just people advertising their upcoming game that, again, won't come out for several years. And they'll get a chance to talk about that game they're taught, they're, or they want to highlight when they're up for game awards right like they'll they'll get their chance and to the point of the chris judge thing uh i think someone pointed out that it feels like jeff is really trying to recapture that like keanu reeves cyberpunk e3 2019 moment with all the celebrities i think the reason that worked is a he was actually in the game which is a step up from some of these other celebrities and b it's keanu reeves he's super passionate he's super wholesome we love to see him there and that just came out naturally it feels like a lot of these other ones are forced but to the point of the chris judge thing it's like if you had cut him off after 30 seconds, you know, we wouldn't have gotten that speech. And that speech went viral in its own way, right? Uh, and then it became a meme and, and they brought him back this year. So it's like by kind of forcing 
celebrities to kind of create these viral moments instead of just letting other people who are more directly connected to the games just naturally sort of go up and talk you'll get those viral moments like i went back and watched earlier today and then it had me getting emotional again the from 2016 there was a speech uh from the uh, developer of that dragon cancer which was based on his son's uh short uh, you know he, he passed away when he was like five years old dealing with cancer and he made a game about that and it was super emotional everyone loved it it went on for three minutes which is the perfect length right it's it, in the grand scheme of things how long does that take up from the show and everyone still talks about that everyone still remembers it. it it moved people it's like that's the sort of thing if they'd cut him off after 30 seconds this year we wouldn't have gotten that sort of beautiful expression uh there so yeah i, I just feel like just let people talk and you're gonna get if you're so concerned about those sort of viral moments and everything, like you're going to get them if you just let people speak anyways. So. Yeah. I mean, the Game Awards is already basically three hours long. Like, you can let people talk. <laughs> At the end of the day, like, there is time. The reason Ben Starr has blown up is not just because of his performance. It's because he's so passionate about Final Fantasy as a fan. Why didn't we have him up there at some point? He is totally. such a great speaker. He's so... Just part of the fan base, man. Why was he... And I get it. He, he was nominated for an award. But at the Oscars, we have lots of people who are nominated for awards who are up there presenting as well. I, I think Jeff also has to grapple with um, audience expectations too. Because, I mean, we're all entrenched in the the industry so much so that obviously we wanted to celebrate uh, the developers and stuff like that. But then you see online, like a lot of people on social media are there just for the award or not the awards, but for the announcements and reveals like for, for them, the game awards is just, you know, winter game fest or winter E3, you know, they don't really care mm -hmm. about, Oh, who's going to win this? Who's going to care that? So of course, Jeff wants to cater to them to some extent to make sure, okay, we're not going to lose our audience in that respect. But then, and at the same time, he is losing, you know, a lot of the good grace of people like us, people that are very in the industry, whether from the development side, the publisher side, or the media side. It's just, I, I can't imagine what Jeff and his team has to go through in order to, like, balance the budget, balance, you know, the, the production side, but then also cater to two varying audiences that want something wholly different from the from the show so it's 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 a lot to go uh into year after year but i think that jeff is to his credit always trying to keep an open ear and be like okay what can we do better next year what can we do there but it's just it, it, it's it's all about managing those expectations at the end of the day and just making sure that we're doing something for the service of the industry and not kind of just making it exactly what the spiked the video games were which was a hollywood-esque kind of you know spectacle and yeah it, it does this year was the year where i was like oh you're kind of threading that line between you know li live uh or a die hero live long enough to see yourself become a villain and i hope that jeff and the game awards don't <laughs> kind of uh become the two-face and can kind of stay the harvey dent side <laughs> that's funny who were your favorite people you guys met at the game awards this year steve and brad yeah, yeah, I think for me it was I, I got to shake hands with Doug Bowser. That was a lovely, uh, lovely moment. I got to uh, you know congratulate him on like all the the nominations. This was prior to the Game Awards. At, um, it was the night before, so I just got to thank him for for all the nominations. Thank him for you know all the the work that Nintendo has done this year. Obviously, they've had one heck of a year. Um, but other than that, yeah, it was um, you know Brad Brad kind of touched on it. Meeting Ben Starr was really cool. He's a very wholesome and very nice uh, gentleman. 
Todd Howard as well. I know Brad, me and uh, me and you don't see eye to eye on Starfield, which is totally fine. But uh, I I really enjoyed that game. So again, got to just kind of congratulate Todd on on the Herculean effort of launching a brand new IP, uh, something that doesn't really happen these days, especially for a big studio like Bethesda. So yeah, those three were were standout moments. I am still a little salty that Dana, uh, you know, screwed us over so badly. In, in meeting Sam Lake, like steered us so incredibly wrong. I so hopped onto happened? the plane to Tell get to LA. That. Yeah, yeah, just briefly, like we're we're in the lobby of the JW. I walked onto my plane to get into the LA, and I was like, my one goal is just to meet Sam Lake, congratulate him, tell him how impactful Alan Wake 2 was, how profound that experience was to me. That's the my one and only thing that I want to do. So we're in the lobby of the JW, the night's winding down, and we're me and Brad are thinking, you know what, we're never going to meet Sam Lake. He's not coming through the JW. He has more important things to do. Lo and behold, the man walks through on the other side of the room, me and Brad were like, okay, we're going to do this. Let's go. Dana's like, he's over there. He's by the Christmas tree. Go now. You guys can go meet him. Me and Brad, we beeline it over. And the lobby is packed. Like, you can just miss people. It's a pool of people. So by the time we circle around, get to that Christmas tree, he's already made it to the other side, the original side that we were on. And we walk back and we're like, all right, you know, kind of, uh, defeated, and Dana looks at us square in the eyes, and she says, "Oh, I just got a picture with him." <laughs> like he just came over to the spot we were standing in. We oh, we man. were bamboozled with a capital B, and I I'll never forgive her for that. That was that was so disrespectful, oh, yeah, Dana. Him, if you're she listening. met him with. An- and she met him with Andrew too, and I'm pretty sure neither of them have much, if any, time into Alan Wake too. And I'm like, it's Steve's game of the year. It's like one of my top three. We both played it, loved it. We were so hyped when the song played. Uh, like, I'm like, come on. That's so funny. I feel so bad for you guys. But uh, next year, next year, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for uh, uh, for me, I guess, yeah. I mean, I, seeing Ben Starr again was awesome because uh, I met him in Toronto. I met him at Summer Game Fest after the Final Fantasy 16 launch event with Dana. And then I met him uh, in Toronto again uh, with Andrew at the Final Fantasy convention. Then I met him at the Warframe thing. And then, yeah, we ran into him in the lobby again. So that was, I've met him four times now and he's amazing. He's wearing a shirt now. that said Squall. Yeah, he was. He remembered me because I was wearing. A, when I went to KupoCon, I made a shirt. I had a shirt made where it's the Mario art, but it's made to look like Clive from Final Fantasy 16. Because there was a whole thing that Ben did where, oh, I, I'm Mario now. Uh, after um, uh, uh, the guy, I'm blank. Oh my god, I'm having a brain fart. Uh, Charles Martinet. There we go. Was was retired from the role. Uh, uh, and then yeah, Neil Newbon was awesome. Uh, and then just kind of adjacent to the event. Uh, we were at, uh, on our last full day there, we were at uh, Universal for Mario World, and we were in the line because there was a, a technical issue, so we were waiting for ages, and I just opened my phone and I just see, oh, Yuri Lowenthal and the entire cast of Spider-Man 2 are going to be at this video game store just 10 minutes down the street, and I'm like, okay, we're going to go there, Andrew. I know you haven't played the game yet, but we're going there, so I went, so I got to meet Yuri Lowenthal, uh, Naji Jeter, who plays uh, Miles, and uh, Candyman slash Venom himself, Tony Todd, which was super cool. Uh, So cool. Something signed by them, so, yeah, they were... I would love to meet Sasuke. 
yeah, yeah they were awesome. So, so that was cool. So I, I, I met three of the six best performance nominees at this show, I guess, uh, and around the show, which is cool. And then I met Chris Judge last year. So whoever wins best performance next year, I have to meet as well, I guess. Uh, but yeah, just kind of being in the the same room as them and seeing these people walk by and everything. It's like a lot of them, like you grew up like playing their games, uh, you know, you admire their work. So it's just to be even in the vicinity of them and, and see them kind of pass by. It's like, oh, that's so cool. That is very cool. And I'm super jealous. It's I okay, Dean. Met we Sasuke. met Brad. So by extension, we have <laughs> met, you know, it's yeah. like the, what is it? One degree. Of One degree. Yeah. Yeah. Six okay. degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Uh, any surprises, anything interesting you guys found out of the Game Awards in terms of the actual winners or noms who didn't win or stuff like that? Uh, I, I, okay, I'll get into that later, but. Are we, yeah. are we talking purely the, the winners and nominees or, or the announcements as well? You know what? We could talk about the announcements as well. Okay. I feel yeah. like we've largely kind of covered the, the yeah, winners. Yeah, we can talk about the announcements as well, uh, except for do not talk about the winner of the Game Awards yet. We're not there yet. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I'll just start. Uh, for me, I mean, obviously, the highlight for me was getting the Final Fantasy VII uh, Rebirth main theme. Because he started by saying, oh, one of the, the most legendary composers in gaming. I'm like, no, it can't be. And then he, he mispronounced his name, but he's like, Nobuo Utamatsu. I'm like, oh, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> but then it's like, oh, the theme song for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. And it's then you have them performing it there. And it's the singer from Greatest Showman. She's got a fantastic voice and the trailer is beautiful and i'm i'm losing it i'm like I, i'm trying to i always cognizant i'm in a public place so i don't want to like I, w- I won't pop off as much as i would at home but the their tears were definitely shed and everything with the marketing for that game has been so on point so far like they're they're giving us a big ballad for Aerith just to twist the knife like they even show the shot where she's praying in the temple and the or the Forbidden Capital, and then the, the Sephiroth feather drops. It's like, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. And it's like, is that a red herring to uh, the song? Like, Or is it like, suggest? Like, there's so many things. It's like, could she live at the end of this? Will she survive to part three? Will she die? It's, it's crazy. Uh, and then that performance also gave us that incredible Ben Starr meme where the light's just flashing on his face and he looks like dead inside, <laughs> which is hilarious. So I love that for it. Um, yeah, everything about that game, it just looks incredible to me. I'm uh, obviously so on board for that. Uh, this, this, uh, you'll really only appreciate it, Chris, but what I love about that theme is it reminded me a lot of the, like, Eyes on Me from FF8 and Melodies of Life from FF9, like, those very powerful vocal songs, because 7 never really had that. Like, it had One Winged Angel, but that's more of a boss theme. It didn't have, like, a main theme that was a vocal piece. So that was, really reminded me, took me back to my childhood in that sense. So I, I, I loved it. Um, and that's where the remake element comes in, right? Is is they're yes. taking what's there and they're expanding on it in such amazing ways. And you, you don't expect it with the music. We think about the gameplay and the story, and now we're getting all of these new incredible tracks that are going to be remembered along with the original score. And I'm so excited. I'm, I'm there with you. They get it so much because in the blog post, they show all the screenshots of the different people from the date scene at the gold saucer and they have Barrett there. It's like, they kept Barrett. That's awesome. Like that's, that was just one of those funny things in the, in the background, but they, they yeah. understand that like it's very silly and uh, it's dramatic, but it's also very silly. So I appreciate that. Um, another game that I'll give a shout out to, which I know Steve's a Philistine when it comes to JRPGs. So this isn't for you. Uh, but, uh, I know Chris will appreciate, uh, metaphor re which is a that horrible game. game. Looks cool. Um, 
but yeah, it's from the creators of Persona, uh, the director of Persona 3, 4, and 5, and Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne. Uh, you know, you got the composer from those games as well, uh, Shoji Maguro, and then you have people who worked on Nier Automata, Evangelion, all these, like, so it's like a stacked development team, and it's just, it's so exciting because it's breaking off from that, uh, Persona High Schoolers, uh, setting, uh, which I'm a little overplayed at this point, like, I would hope Persona 6 at least does something a little different with that sort of thing, but this is, like, completely different, it's not school, it's like a high fantasy world, kind of, like, post-apocalyptic in a way, and just... It retains the style uh, of Persona, but just on a grander level. And the music is is not really as funky as you'd expect. It's a lot more like dramatic and operatic. So it's just everything about it looks great. It's coming fall 2024. And if I can expand on that a little bit, just because Persona is one of my all-time favorite series. But what I really like about this is I'm with you. I, I think it's okay. We're, it's now time to move beyond the high school setting. And this, though, doubles down on the bonds that you build in those games without it feeling like it needs to be a romantic thing. Like, the confidants in 5 really felt like a lot of them really pushed into that angle. And here it feels like, no, you're building up a, a team of people to take part in one giant tournament arc. And I love that. And there's an interesting mix of real-time combat and turn-based combat that we haven't seen from this team before. And I think it's going to surprise a lot of people maybe who are only familiar with Persona and not some of Atlas's other games beyond maybe Shin Megami Tensei. I think this is playing to a lot of their strengths and the style of it. it absolutely. Some of the best looking screens I've seen ever. Like there are some shots that I saw in that initial reveal trailer where I use it as, as a background on my computer. Like they're just so striking the way they've used their style. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Really, really excited about that game too. And I'll just give a quick shout out as well. Uh, it's kind of could have fallen into the new section as well, but um, we got the full reveal of Archetype Entertainment's new game, Exodus, which is super cool because uh, for people who don't know, that's an Austin-based studio, but it's led by James Olin, who was the lead designer on KOTOR. So he's from Canada. He's from uh, Edmonton. We used to work at Bioware. So KOTOR, he worked on Dragon Age Origins, the original Baldur's Gates, and the story is being co-written by Drew Karpishin, who also worked on KOTOR, Baldur's Gate, and Mass Effect. So you have two of Bioware's biggest heavy hitters, like two of the OGs from KOTOR. I was very fortunate to speak to them earlier this year, and at the time, they were very, they almost didn't let me do the interview because they're just like, we're not allowed to say anything about anything. And I'm like, okay, I won't even ask you about your game. Uh, but anyways, it's super exciting to see what that is, and it's kind of focused. That's the For context, that's the game with Matthew McConaughey. I'm assuming he's only doing it because it's being made in Texas, where he's from. It's probably the only reason, but um, it's kind of cool because it's centered around the idea of time dilation, which was in, you know, uh, uh, Interstellar with with uh, Matthew McConaughey as well. The whole idea that, you know, five minutes for you could be five years for someone else. And, and kind of playing that into a choice-based narrative is very interesting. You know, you go to this planet to try to find something, but then maybe that... 50 years has passed on another planet by the time you get there. Like, that's a very interesting concept for a choice-based narrative game. Uh, and so it's really cool to see that sort of uh, Bioware DNA in there and these Canadians really leading the charge on that. So I'm, I'm super hyped for that game. How about you, uh, Steve? You haven't spoken in a little bit. Anything you're like, super excited for or any surprise or anything like that? Yeah, I think I think the Blade game was definitely a surprise. That was one. Uh, I actually heard a little bit of scuttlebutt uh, going into the awards. Like a few days before I even got to LA, I was like, I was told by a few people, I was, they're like, 
make sure you keep an eye out on this award show. There is probably going to be an Arcane uh, Leon game coming out. And I was like, okay. And then I heard that it might be a Blade game. I was like, there's no way. There's absolutely no way in hell that this is going to end up happening. And as soon as the trailer started, and I saw you know the the door with the the cross on it. I was like, oh boy, we are <laughs> in the thick of it now. And as the as it goes on and on, I was like, oh, this is gonna this has the potential to be a very cool game. I mean, uh, Arcane has been known for you know Dishonored and Deathloop, very frenetic and gameplay heavy games, and I think that that transitions so well with a character like Blade, who you know is very agile and um, has, a, has a whole arsenal of, of abilities and weapons. I think that's a really cool kind of license uh, for Arcane to kind of get a hold of. But um, obviously, it's very, very uh, early on. We're probably going to have to wait a, a while for that game. Uh, the other one, obviously, Chris, Chris brought it up, but it was OD from Hideo Kojima. I'm, I'm down for anything he touches, honestly, as, as, far, as long as he gets that kind of auteur freedom of just create what, whatever kind of weird stuff you want to. I'm, I'm there day one. I love that stuff. Similar to Alan Wake and, and Sam Lake, let, let creators just kind of break the mold and do something that is unconventional in the industry i'm i'm down for um so him working with jordan peele it's awesome him kind of forming this avengers coalition of other creators or actors i don't really know but either way i i think it's really cool and the fact that it's kind of built on xbox's cloud uh platform is also awesome and hey if it's if it's anything like we were promised with pt that that's a, a surefire win for me because PT is probably one of the coolest things to ever come from the video game industry, in my opinion. That that blew me away. I so I, I'm I'm down for some sort of like spiritual successor. Yeah, I loved PT. I also was very uh, excited to see Blade. Uh, Patrick had mentioned to me something from Arcane. He's like of oh, Dishonored Three. And I was like, there, it's not going to be Dishonored Three, buddy. I, I just I don't know why. I just don't think it will be. And then to see Blade, it was like, oh, this is going to be sick. I am really excited for it. Uh, the only issue is that, I mean, their last game also had vampires in it. So uh, let's that, have... that was the Austin game, though, or Austin Studio, though. That wasn't the... Mm, uh, that is the just true. It so, wasn't Leon. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. You're right. So that, right. that's the only saving grace there, because I would yeah. be right there with you where I'm like, you're double downing on vampires? Mm, I don't know about this one. Yeah, you're right. It wasn't Leon. <laughs> well, I think there's... There's been a lot of reports about what happened with Redfall, anyways. I don't think. Of course, yeah. I was just joking. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, and I'm I'm glad that it's Arcane doing it because, uh, to your point, Blade is an interesting character to to do something on. Like you know, PlayStation went with Spider-Man and Wolverine, which two great characters, but two very like saturated characters. Like we've seen them a lot, so it's cool. Like we haven't really gotten anything from Blade since the Wesley Snipes movies because the Mahershala Ali movie's been in development hell for like five years at this point. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get the game before the movie at this rate. Um, but it's cool because at first if I heard a Blade game, I'm like, oh, it's probably just going to be like a Devil May Cry knockoff. But no, knowing that it's, you know, Arcane doing it, like they're going to do something really stylish and interesting with it. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, give me a Dishonored but with Blade. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in for it. And killing vampires, I'm, I'm cool with it. They, they also have a passion for level design and kind of the uh, totally. different kind of planes of, of existence while going through a game. I, th- I think that's really cool for a character like Blade to be on the rooftops, but also like maybe a street level as well. That sounds cool to me. Uh, for me, I was also... Uh, <laughs> 
a funny part of the awards for me was when uh, Jeff said thanks Dinga at the end when right before and like and then my roommates were like did he just say the N word because just not <laughs> hearing it and then I was like wait did he and we, we played it and I'm like we kept replaying it and we're like no what is he saying there and then I was like oh no it's Dinga like the developer name yeah that makes sense but we were we were all like what just happened <laughs> Jeff is just wilding out on the stage he's just yeah, feeling he, himself <laughs> Oh my gosh, like, who was that guy, the, one of the developer? I think he was a developer, who came Joseph on. Ferris? Was, Joseph Ferris? Joseph Ferris, yeah. The Wasted One? Yeah, dude was just out of it. That was insane. I like Jeff was just like, get him off this stage. <laughs> he, he ended up winning Game of the Year. That, that's, what a character arc for Joseph Ferris. Well, that's, again, to the point of, you, if you cut him off, we wouldn't have gotten that viral moment, and he wouldn't have come back to the game boards like ten times, and everyone loves him, right? So it's like yep, just let totally. developers talk. Yeah, he he presented Game of the Year to Miyazaki last year, which is cool. Very cool. Um, I was also surprised that Senua Saga Hellblade did not get a release date. It got a a year, twenty twenty four, which is insane. How does that game not have an actual date? It's it was announced years ago the 2019 game awards yeah it was the first xbox game for the new console generation shown that's yeah that's true yeah insane i can't believe that game is not out yet but it Uh, looks beautiful though i mean i don't care granted take away the (laughs) fact that there wasn't even like a release window i was locked in during that entire trailer i was like i cannot believe this game looks as gorgeous as it does I don't care, man. They, they should have a date by That's now. That's true. Like, give us a month <laughs> even. Give us winter 2024. All they said was 2024. I was I so I mean, that upset. does speak, to your point, that does speak to Xbox's ongoing problem of we have the games, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, but we don't have a release window for you. They're coming. It's like, how many times do we need to see this game? Just release it already. Holy. So, I get it. Uh, and I was excited by No Rest for the Wicked. I thought that game looked really cool. And the, I probably will butcher this, but Tales of Kanzaru, Kanzara. Uh, It's like that, it was like the, um, it's like an African style game, but I think it was made by the same people who did Ori in the Blind Flick Forest. It it looked awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bayek from Assassin's Creed. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looked very, very awesome, and I was super excited for those two games. Yeah. Uh, Chris, want to share? I'll be really quick. Uh, you guys called out a lot of them already. Windblown looked awesome. Oh, That's coming so from the cool. Dead Cells team. Looks really stylish. Cool. More gory than I was expecting. The trailer led us to believe that it was going to be cute, and it was not. Even uh, the trailer that was really, really kind of cool. gory, though. Totally. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Um, I definitely want to give a shout out to Visions of Mana. Uh, that series, I feel like, hasn't had a really strong entry in a while, and this looked gorgeous. Uh, really, really excited to check that out. And then I think the only other one that I would shout out would be Big Walk. That was from the team behind Untitled Goose Game, and what a fun time that looks like. They've, they've managed to make a puzzle game a social experience, which... Man, yeah, just give me that all day. That's that's one of those ones where you can catch up with your friends, go do zany antics, and still actually activate your brain once in a while. So fully on board for that. Uh, otherwise, I guess just quick shout out to uh, Unseen, the studio that uh, Okumi Nakamura 
founded. We've we've kind of known about her studio for a while, and it, obviously they weren't ready to show gameplay yet. But I also feel like they are hiring a lot of talent at the moment, so this was a way for them to be like, "Here's our project. If you like what it looks like, come on board." Uh, she's such an incredible. That talent. was Kimori, uh, right? Kimori, Kimori. Is that the name of the game or no? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kimuri. Yeah. I, I I don't know how to pronounce it personally. K E M U R I. Yeah. Uh, it looks super cool. Uh, really no cool. idea what the gameplay is like, but just the style of it and everything like that. That would be the last one that I would shout out. Lots of cool announcements. Like, listen to how many we just talked about and how passionate we are for them. And I feel like a lot of that got lost in the noise. So. Uh, if, if any of this sounded cool to you, definitely go to Mobile Syrup and check out uh, all of the trailers and that sort of stuff because there's some really, really cool games coming. And last but not least, Baldur's Gate 3 won the game of the year. When the developer went on stage, he was just like, I didn't think we were going to win anymore because Alan Wake 2 won so many awards. It was, just, it was either going to be BG3 or Alan Wake 2. Um, I haven't played Elden Lake 2 yet. I, uh, I said in the last podcast that will be like my winter holiday game for when we have the time off. Uh, but I have put in uh, over 100 hours in BG3. Um, so I'm, uh, I was pretty excited that it won. Uh, how would you guys feel about this? Yeah, it was well-deserved. I mean, it's so funny when you look back at our first episode when we did the uh, the fantasy draft, um, not to jump ahead or anything, but at the time, I, you know, at, for me, I was like, oh, I'm looking forward to Baldur's Gate 3, but in no way in hell did I think that people were going to latch onto that game as much as it did. And then, you know, lo, lo and behold, it became like this cultural phenomenon that even like broke through the industry into mainstream audiences and stuff like i had friends text me that had no right being interested in Baldur's gate 3 being like do i need to play this game or anything i was like you of all people uh, maybe i don't know but yeah it's, it's just really cool to see this game that again is like super unconventional in today's kind of standard uh, at even when you look at rpgs kind of have all this acclaim and was received so well with critics and players and everything like that so yeah i mean props to them larian is a very talented studio obviously but man you, you just have to now think what are they going to do next and how much uh fervor is going to be behind that project because yeah the, this bulges gate three like swept the nation this year and like i think i think the popularity is just going to continue into 2024 because of its latest you know launch on xbox and the whole new audience is going to be able to adopt the game and then i'm sure there's going to be additional support in the future but yeah it's it's awesome to see and I, i'm i'm so happy for that team yeah um, not much else to say it, it was my game of the year as well uh when i sort of unilaterally decide mobile syrup's top 10 games of the year you can expect it to be <laughs> pretty high up there uh as well um yeah it's one of those things where like steve said didn't expect it uh it just kind of blew into the zeitgeist even my grandpa was asking like what's this Baldur's gate thing that I'm <laughs> wow. about? like which is hilarious like i was with him uh and yeah he's just on his ipad and he's like what is this game which is hilarious um because he doesn't never really asked me anything like that um and just yeah it's one of those things where i've seen a lot of people and i feel the same way like kind of said oh i didn't think this would be my cup of tea didn't really think i would like it and then they played it and they loved it and that was kind of with me i'm like i wasn't sure uh like i've heard a lot of good things about their previous games i know they're obviously a quality studio but i even had a friend who's like tried to get me and another friend to to play uh divinity with him but i'm like i kind of looked at him like i don't know 
Uh, but now that I've played Baldur's Gate, it's like, okay, now I, yeah. uh, I, I would be down. <laughs> I'd definitely be down. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a remarkable, astonishing achievement. It's one of those things where a lot of the time, every year we see games that are high rated that are up there, but they won't necessarily have a lot of staying power, I don't think. Like, they're just kind of, like Resident Evil 4 Remake this year, for example, really good game, but I don't think it's, it's like, you know, gonna be thought of in, in many years to come, but like, Baldur's Gate 3 is like, one of those things where when people say, oh, this is one of the best RPGs of all time, one of the greatest games of all time, it's like, yeah, I understand. I get it. Yeah, Dean, what about you? You put a lot of hours into Baldur's Gate. Oh, yeah, I loved it. I was pretty excited that it won Game of the Year. Uh, I, I, I was at that point where I was like, man, it might be out of the way, too, um, just because of how, like, I think it won Best Direction out of the way, too, and I was just like, man, like, the Baldur's Gate might lose this, but it won, and I was like, yeah, this is awesome, um, and I'm really happy about it, pretty much, yeah. Now, I, I do need to take a second, uh, and this this segment is called Chris Feels Himself, uh, because this doesn't happen very often where I did know. This guy. <laughs> and so uh, I need you guys to pretend you're hearing music right now for a second so that the audience can take in this moment of Chris, uh, Chris feels himself. Okay, right, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> this guy. Cue the Jeff Keeley, please wrap it up sign. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, 140 hours in, and I still haven't beaten it yet. Uh, and before, and let's move on to our next segment, uh, our nostalgia segment. So this is probably your first time hearing this, Steve. Uh, the tech, uh, the Syrup Cast and Syrup Arcade Cast are now doing a nostalgia segment. And before we go into our fantasy draft, let's look back ten years ago at that Game Award winner, which would have been the Spike Video Game Awards, because the actual Game Awards, or not the actual Game Awards, but Jeff Keighley's this Game Awards hasn't been yet it didn't start till 2014 and during the uh and in 2013 the spike video game award winner was grand theft auto 5 uh i'm not shocked by hearing that i've never played grand theft auto of any number of all at all but uh <laughs> wow yeah well wow. yeah but uh yeah that's uh it's very different from baldur's gate 3 but they just put out a trailer for Grand Theft Auto 6, too. So, kind of... There's, um, there's no powers uh, or magic in Grand Theft Auto, so that's why he didn't play it. Facts. Fair, fair. I guess Facts. if you enable cheats in the older games, that's a form of power. Yeah, you could right? get the flying car, like, you know, Harry Potter. Well, Harry and Potter in Grand Theft Auto 5, if you trip on peyote, you can meet aliens and stuff. Is that sort of along those lines? No. Okay, darn. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. No, uh, you guys excited for Grand Theft Auto Six? I assume you guys are. I'm Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm really stoked. I mean, Grand Theft Auto Five always has a special place in my heart. Uh, it actually released two weeks after I moved to Toronto, so I, I just vividly remember, uh, you know, leaving my friends like back home in Guelph and like coming to Toronto and that being the first midnight release, the last like big midnight release I think I've ever been to, um, and just kind of, you know, linking up with uh, friends back home when GTA Online launched and everything like that, so yeah, it, it's definitely like a time and place kind of game, but yeah, flash forward to Grand Theft Auto 6's trailer and everything, I'm just kind of blown away by the the pedigree Rockstar has. Like, just in those first opening moments, 
that you know the the main character we're introduced to uh lucia she turns around for a moment while looking at outside at the the jail and just the lighting of it all the the fidelity it's like holy holy cow you guys are on like a whole nother level when it comes to just high performance uh high quality game uh and, and trailers but yeah just it, it's such a nice kind of uh trip back to vice city which is based off miami uh i just love to see like the color palette the the pinks the blues the the oranges it's just a really cool um showcase of um of what rockstar games can do the two things that really stood out to me was this whole like bonnie and clyde romantic crime relationship you you're kind of in and then the other thing that i thought was really cool to see especially from a game like rockstar that's going to drive like a lot of people's attention is just the diversity of just uh npcs and stuff like that whether it's you know different uh, you know uh skin colors or body types and everything like that it's not just oh it's a city full of you know boring white dudes it's There's a lot of really cool diversity in the game, especially, you know, going back, it's based off Miami, which rightfully so, it should be have a diverse, uh, you know, cityscape. So it's it's awesome to see. And I'm really excited to uh, see what Rockstar can do after Red Dead Redemption 2, which to me still is one of the most immersive kind of worlds to kind of explore. So to see them take the Rage Engine, evolve it over all these years and kind of deliver us a new Grand Theft Auto, I'm, I'm super excited. And I, I can't wait for this. Awesome. Thank you, Steve. That was very in-depth. <laughs> Brad, Chris, any thoughts? Uh, for me, I'm I'm intrigued by it more. I've never had a super big connection to GTA, um, especially with Red Dead being so much more up my alley. I'm not even like a Western guy, but I, I generally gravitate towards stories with some kind of emotional hook. Like GTA's never really had that um, for me. So, um, like Red Dead Two still has one of the best stories in gaming, I would say. Um, Roger Clark's performance as Arthur Morgan, and then obviously. Um, john marston on the side there like i love that that's still like the pinnacle for me so i i, I find it i i i don't know if if gta 6 would top that in terms of emotional highs but i am intrigued by the game because um it is the first you know gta in so many years i will say i am very curious and it could go either way how they're going to handle like the commentary on america because this is a you know this is a series that's always satirized america but it's been 10 years since we've gotten the last one it'll be 12 years by the time it comes out and it's like, there's so America is such a parody of itself now. Uh, like, it's kind of hard to imagine what they're going to say that's kind of interesting about it because so much has happened in that 12 years. So, if anyone can say something interesting and funny and insightful, it'll be Rockstar. So, I don't doubt that they'll do something about it. But I am very curious to see what that'll be because that that especially it's Florida. Um, like Florida is just a joke. Well, <laughs> a I, I think so. I think you kind of already see it in that a lot of the trailer is based off Florida already. Like you have like the Florida man and you have, you know, Miami Joker in there and you have like all these clips and and snippets based off like viral videos and stuff like that. So I kind of think that Rockstar is already showing and presenting us some sort of representation of what its satire is going to be, where it is. A lot of it is based so much on social media and pulling from real world events, but putting their own like Rockstar kind of twist on yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like a superficial look at it. I'm just of curious about how the, how the deeper will how it'll handle it on a deeper level like even i think back to one of the the surprisingly interesting parts of gta 5 is when they get into like the whole u.s waterboarding stuff uh right uh, or even like there's a whole weird conversation on like 
hipsters in, in America, like stuff like that is like stuff you wouldn't necessarily expect when you look at first glance. So I, again, I, I'm very, uh, I'm optimistic that they're, they're going to do it well, but yeah, I'm, I'm more curious of anything. I'm, I mean, I need to see more. It was just a two minute trailer. Uh, again, the game is two years out still. So it's like, maybe when we get closer to it, I'll start to feel excited. But to me, it's just, it's very distant right now. So it's, uh, I'm intrigued by it. I'll say more so than genuinely excited, but I'm sure once we get closer, I'll be, uh, I'll feel it. It's always been satire, and this felt like I was just watching the news. It, <laughs> it, we are now at the point where you can't parody real life. Real life parodies itself. Like, there's nothing stranger than fiction, right? So, but what about you, Dean? So, you haven't played one before. Did watching this trailer get you excited? Do you think this might be no. your first Grand Theft Auto? Uh, probably not. I have no interest in it, really. <laughs> just, wow. just writing it off completely. Yeah, yeah. yeah I probably will not touch it. I probably won't look at gameplay either. You, you don't want to twerk no, on a car? Zero, zero interest in it. Okay. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You will it's be like the one it. person on the magic. planet that never buys it. I also didn't play Red Dead, if that matters. Because, again, yeah, no magic, no science fiction, no anything I really care about. So Zombies. Uh, I, I don't really like zombies. I, am I, I used to be really right afraid now. of zombies growing up, which is why I didn't play Last of Us ever. Uh, I'm no longer as afraid of zombies, but... Um, well, there yeah. we go. So so the other games that were probably up for Game of the Year that year would have been The Last of Us. Uh, it would have been Bioshock Infinite. And like I'm just trying Tomb to think. Raider, 2013, think. Tomb Raider. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was a whole list of games that would have been up for it. So Grand Theft Auto V. Probably looking back was was definitely one of the strongest contenders, and and so it's kind of cool to look back and say, oh, ten years ago we we had that win, and now we're getting Grand Theft Auto Six announced, and yeah, what a time! I am happy to hear just very quickly from what we understand, the Rockstar's development process has really improved behind the scenes because they're notorious around the whole GTA um, Red Dead Two era where there there's apparently a lot of crunch and kind of a toxic workplace, and supposedly that's based on what we've heard from reporting that's really improved which is nice to see so in that sense if that's why part of the reason why the game's still two years out where they're kind of, they're not avoiding a lot of crunch on it or whatever i'm happy to wait as long as needed please don't kill yourselves making this game so um yeah that that's really cool to hear all right fantasy draft time all right guys so chris will lead us through the fantasy draft uh, I want to hear the people's scores and their highest games and the winning name as well. But I want you to go in the order of loser to winner. Okay, perfect. So how this worked, for anybody who wasn't with us at the beginning of the year, we drafted what we thought would be the highest scoring games on Open Critic, which is essentially Metacritic, but specifically for video games. And so we each chose three games at the beginning of the year. And then we chose an additional two games halfway through the year. So that way we could cover anything that was announced. What was exciting about this is this is the first time we did it. And we rolled a die, I believe, to determine who would go first. And from there, we kind of reversed it for the second draft. How it's going to work is we drafted five games. We are only taking the top three scores from each of our pools. So that was top four. Is it top four? I thought Hold so. on, let's... Oh, this I thought it was top four as well. Scores. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. It says here, top four games will count towards your score if the game doesn't release 
it counts as a zero. All right. Chris, we know you won. You don't need to inflate it, artificially inflate it, so you win even better. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, guy. okay. Here, here. We're, I'm just going to really quickly add. Uh, I'm going to get an additional nine. What does Kind of Funny call themselves? A dumpster truck on fire? That's what you guys are hearing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, this is the back end. This is what you probably shouldn't be hearing. Um, so, Steve, let's start with your team here. So you took Starfield. Wait, is Steve the bottom, though? We're about to find out. I'm just going to okay. list the games that, uh, right, that, right, that Steve fine, took fine. while I add up the scores here. Um, okay. So let's you took it. Starfield, Mortal Kombat 1, Forza Motorsport, Marvel Spider-Man 2, and Hollow Knight Silk Song. Obviously, Hollow Knight not coming, but if, if, if you had to guess at the beginning of the year which of your games would score the highest, which, wouldn't, would it, which one would it have been? If it came out, it would have been Silk Song, like with a bullet. Um, I think I think I was very confident, very bullish in what Team Cherry kind of uh, discussed early on in this year of you know targeting a 2024 launch. But now, I, I really regret this one. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> we all laughed at you. I remember. <laughs> yeah yeah it would see it, w- it was one of those either i get laughed at by everyone or i come on to this episode at this time of year and i'm laughing at all of you obviously that didn't work out uh dean you took hogwarts legacy star wars jedi survivor armored core 6 fires of rubicon lies of p and lords of the fallen what were your expectations did you have a game that you thought maybe would I be the high score Hogwarts would do better and I'm honestly blaming J.K. Rowling for that. <laughs> yeah, good call. Yeah, it's definitely her fault. I'll be, I'll be honest. I'm kind of surprised Armored Core 6 and Liza P didn't score better. Not, I'm not saying, like, by a huge amount, but even just marginally. Like, Liza P as an 82, I think, is downright criminal. That is... That's wild to me that it's it scored a, a like a low eighty. Same with Armor Core with eighty five. I would have put these like high eighties, um, but maybe that's just my skewed metric ba- based on being a fan of both of these games. I haven't played Lies of P, so I, I can't comment on the quality. But I think as someone who's more of an outsider with the Soulsborne genre, I feel kind of fatigued by every game being a Soulsborne nowadays. So I wonder if that was probably part of it. And I don't don't get me wrong. It seems like a very good execution on that formula from everything I've seen and heard, but. I mean, there have been a lot. Like, even around the time Lords of the Fallen came out, we got Jedi Survivor earlier this year. There's a there's a lot of, of that kind of game nowadays, so I wonder if that was probably part of it. Uh, but I That's hear fair. you on Armored Core. Yeah. I thought that would... Um, I've heard nothing but amazing things about Armored Core, and it's something I wanted to check out as someone who doesn't generally enjoy most from games. It, that sort of thing appealed to me more, to be honest. So I just haven't got... I was waiting for it to go on sale, to be honest, and it never did for Black Friday, but maybe... I actually tried Armored Core, and I played less of it than I played of Final Fantasy uh, 15, or 16, which I did find out. I played 10 hours really? of it, Final Fantasy 16. But I think I only played maybe two hours of Armored Core, and I was just like, ooh, I did, I did wow. not... It was not for me at all. Uh, but Lies of P, I'm loving. I love it so much. Yeah, so good. That's all so right, good. well, I have... I have updated the scores. So how this works is, okay, so it's the top four out of our five. So your bottom game would get dropped. So for example, Steve, you will not have to take a zero for Hollow Knight because that will just get dropped. Uh, And Dean, in your case, you will drop Lords of the Fallen, which only scored a 73. That makes sense. And how this works is any game over a 70 gets one point. So if you scored an 88, you'll get 18 points. Anything above a 90, so a 91, a 92, is worth 
two points. So for example, a 91 would get you 22 points instead of 21. Uh, and then if you have a game that scores below a 70, you actually lose points. And incredibly, we actually didn't choose a single game that scored below a 70. So I take that as a win because in my personal fantasy draft with some of my friends, there were a lot of negative scores. So uh, how, how many of is... them chose uh, the day before? I'm just oh, curious. <laughs> thank goodness. Nobody. Uh, I am. I kind of regret not buying it just for preservation sake. Cause that is the fastest that's disappeared. That's wild. <laughs> What a story. That's that's a story for next week, but uh, here we go. So, with this scoring in mind, in fourth place, we have our host himself, Dean Daly. Dean, you had a total score of 55, a very respectable score, considering that, that it's only four games. That's still a really good score. How do you, how do you feel? Honestly, uh, if no one can see this... I mean, outside of you three, but uh, I named myself Fantasy Draft Loser uh, for this podcast because I just I knew I was gonna lose. I uh, and there was one point where I was like I should have picked Starfield when I had the chance, but I don't even then was like eh, I shouldn't have done it. Um, I I don't know. Maybe next year I'll just have to do better. I'll uh, I'll warm up next year. Yeah, I won't pick three Soulsborne games. <laughs> you know what, what i appreciate about your strategy dean is you picked games that you want to play and that was my strategy too uh i think i just lucked out in some ways that we'll get to uh in terms of a few of my picks but i like your strategy i think choose things you're passionate about so i respect thank you, you. thank you all right in third place we have steve steve you had a total yeah. of 63 can you talk us through a little bit about that score? Yeah, I mean, I I wholeheartedly regret letting you get uh, two two of your picks, Chris, uh, because I should have jumped on one specific one. I should have had the foresight, uh, but I didn't. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with my picks overall. I mean, Marvel Spider-Man 2 was a, a good one for me. Starfield was also a good one. Personally, I, I think where it all fell apart was choosing Forza Motorsport, where historically those games always kind of uh score very high i'm actually yeah. surprised that out of this one this one was 84 which is i'd have to go back but it seems low to me especially uh for for a game that is just so high quality um but yeah otherwise there wasn't really much i could do i put a lot of stock into hollow knight obviously uh which we already talked about but otherwise i'm i'm happy with my choices but yeah this was such a good year that yeah, like we're going to go over, like so many games just scored upwards of like high 80s, high 90s that it's kind of hard to kind of pick and choose which ones were. Everything's so marginal. Uh, there's such a marginal difference that, uh, yeah, it was it was a tough year for sure. The fact that you came in third and your lowest scoring game was an 84 speaks volumes. That's what I mean, right? Yeah. yeah. His lowest scoring game was a zero. It just didn't count. I just want to remind people of that. <laughs> was non-existent exactly yeah. uh in second place brad brad had a total score of 82 so for oh, context dang, brad. dean had 55 steve had 63 brad had 82 it's a huge year so brad we didn't go through your games really quickly just to to contextualize you took resident evil 4 Final Fantasy 16, Sea of Stars, Cocoon, and Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Cocoon scored an 87, 
and that's the game that didn't count towards your score. So, oh Brad, gosh. how do you feel? And that won Best Debut Indie Game at the Game Awards. Um, it did, yeah. And that's the other two scored like 90s from that designer, so that's like low for him. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with this list. To be honest, I thought fi- I thought Final Fantasy 16 would be a little higher and Sea of Stars would be a little lower uh, going into this year. I just kind of wa- I picked Sea of Stars kind of as an early indie pick, and because like Dean did, I picked something that I knew I wanted. But uh, I just knowing it's from the Final Fantasy 14 team, I thought 16 would do a little better. I mean, going into it, now that I've played it, I understand there are problems with it. I I, I agree with an 88 uh, that seems reasonable to me but at the time that was kind of my thought process is like oh you got the devil may cry combat designer you got the uh, ff14 narrative team it's like that's a no-brainer peanut butter and jelly sandwich combination right there but otherwise yeah i mean mario bros wonder (laughs) i i picked it at the time purely as a strategic move and then i ended up playing it and loving it so i'm happy that I, i went with that resident evil 4 was just the safe pick um i had a feeling that would do really well i really liked it um and yeah um overall i'm i'm happy with those picks uh once like steve said i'm upset that you got <laughs> tears of the kingdom and Baldur's gate 3 but and then alan wake 2 as well Boom but, guy. Uh, <laughs> you know what are we gonna do so. uh as he alluded to yes i did come in first place uh i had a score of 92 uh, and you know what? I lucked out in a lot of ways. I picked games that I was excited about. And I, I, to be fair as well, I got Tears of the Kingdom because I did get to go first. So I locked that one down. Otherwise, anybody probably would have taken that as their first pick. Uh, and that did get a 96. Where it gets a little bit more interesting is, yes, I took Baldur's Gate 3. And I don't think anybody probably predicted that would get a 96. I thought it was probably in the 90s, but not a 96. That is crazy how, how high it scored. Talon Zelda. T- for the highest yeah, yeah, tied with year, Zelda, which is crazy. <laughs> like, and you know what? Like again, these are just the games I really wanted to play. Like Alan Wake is one of those games when they announced that it was getting a sequel years ago. It was kind of mind blowing. I'm like, no, no way anybody is following up Alan Wake. What a niche game that was. And I, I loved the first game, loved the second game. Uh, anything Remedy puts out at this point is probably going on my game of the year list. And then finally, I had Like a Dragon Guide in the Man Who Erased His Name, only scored a 79. Uh, what we didn't know at the time is that game was developed in just six months, which is pretty insane. Uh, look out for Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth next year. That's the mainline game that's going back to being a turn-based RPG. I'm really excited for that one. And Replaced was my final one. That would have gotten a zero because it did not release. Maybe next year. Maybe. We'll have to wait and see. But that rounds up our fantasy draft for the year. So, uh... We, we will come up with a belt or something that we can give out uh, for the inaugural version of this in the next year. We can hand it off. But thank you guys for, for giving me the opportunity to do this. This is something that I've wanted to do for a really long time. And it's, it's so much fun to just kind of take a yeah. look at the, the year through the lens of scores. And of course, scores aren't everything. Don't, don't pay too much attention to critic scores and all that stuff. But it's a cool way for us to celebrate the games we're excited about as well and kind of look at industry trends and, and a whole bunch of other things. So thank you guys for amusing me. I, I love this guy. He's like, oh, we should get a belt to give to me. <laughs> <laughs> In context, yeah, that is a little weird, but uh, <laughs> thank you for pointing that out, Dean. No worries. We should, yeah, we should get a bell and a podium, yeah. maybe, and a bottle of a champagne. I don't know. You guys, you guys have fun with it. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, guys. So our podcast has gone over an hour. Uh, we do have one more segment, but we'll do it very, very quickly because everyone knows about this product, or a lot of people should know about this product by now. But uh, our next segment is uh, Game Treat or Game Trash. However, today it will be Tech Treat or Tech Trash because it's not specifically a game. It is a device, and that device today is the PlayStation Portal. And how Tech Treat or Tech Trash works is if, if you think it is a thumbs up, it is a Tech Treat. If you think it is a thumbs down, it is trash. Uh, let's start with Steve. PlayStation Portal, trash or treat? Yo, this is a treat. This is a yeah. treat, baby. I, I, I really like this. Um, I, I don't know. Are we doing like any like high-level thoughts no, on it? Or? We don't have to. We normally would. We're out of running out of time, though. So Then, then up, two treat. thumbs up for me. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Brad? Uh, we should quantify quickly that Steve has it and Dean has it. I gave him my review unit, so uh, they've Thank actually you. significantly used one. I would imagine Chris hasn't, and I haven't either. So uh, I'm only going off purely from what I've seen and, and heard and just uh, like it would be a thumbs down for me. I just think it's overpriced and lacking in too many features. So thumbs down. Uh, Chris, trash or treat? Thumbs down. Steam Deck for life, baby. Let's go. You can do the exact same thing. Just just get a Steam Deck and use it as your PlayStation portal. Um, and screw you two. Uh, treat for me. But as Brad <laughs> said, uh, Steve and I both have it. I, I love it. I, 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 uh, I've been playing Lords of the Fallen on it more than I play it on my actual console now. Uh, my review of that should be coming up soon. It's done. I'm just waiting for it to be edited. Um, and yeah. All right. That's it. Thanks everyone for listening to the Syrup Cast. Uh, you can find me on Threads and Instagram at my daily dose, and of course on Mobile Syrup. Uh, Brad, where can people find you, and what have you been working on, or do you want to highlight? Uh, I'm on Twitter, um, X, uh, Brad Shankar, B R A D S H A N K A R. Obviously, Mobile Syrup as well. Uh, in terms of stuff I've been working on, um, today, uh, Prince of Persia, the Lost Crown preview just went up. Uh, I played it a little bit at Summer Game Fest, but I played a few hours of it as well. Game's really good. It's the first game in 2024 I'd say I'm really excited for because it comes out in a month now, January 15th. Uh, and I know Steve played that as well, so you can plug your own coverage for that as well. Uh, and then I went to Day of the Devs when I was in uh, Los Angeles, which is like an indie game showcase. So I got to check out a bunch of games there. So I'm probably just going to do like a, a short roundup of like here are five indie games I checked out. Um, really cool stuff with those. And then, yeah, just the usual end of year content. We'll do like Mobile Syrup's top games of the year. I'll round up Canadian games of the year. Uh, and then looking ahead for Canadian games in 2024. So uh, lots of, some, some cool stuff still. Steve, how about you? Where can people find you? And anything you want to shout out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first off, thank you guys for inviting me back on the show. This was a ton of fun. Uh, I always loved uh, gabbing about games with you guys. Uh, to keep up with me, I make it really easy. I'm found on all platforms at Svigvari. Um Recent stuff I put out, I had an interview with streamer Valkyrie. She has a uh, cameo in an upcoming Apple TV Plus movie called The Family Plan. And uh, basically, I, I talked to her, sat down with her, and just kind of talked about how streaming and gaming is uh, kind of represented in, in pop culture and films and television. So it was a really interesting conversation. I also have a feature going up on Mobile Syrup about the ROG Ally. I've been using that for the past few weeks, almost a month now, and I'm really digging that. So yeah, that should be up 
at some point um, whenever it gets edited and pu- published. Uh, but other than that, um, yeah, you can keep up with uh, me on all social media. I, like uh, Brad alluded to, I also put up a video uh, about uh, Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown on uh, my Instagram and TikTok. And then, yeah, I have a couple podcasts, a gaming podcast and CreatureCast, a weekly uh, video game podcast out there. So, yeah, I'm always keeping busy out there. Awesome. Good to know. And no one will ever find Chris Brown anywhere, so don't bother looking. If you look for Chris Brown, you will find the singer slash rapper. Yes, absolutely, except that uh, you will see a lot more of me on our YouTube channel this year. So oh, yeah. be sure to uh, check that out. We are Mobile Syrup on YouTube. Uh, we will be doing a whole bunch of video content this year. We're really expanding that space. Dean, I'm excited to do some stuff with you. We'll be doing more gaming content, more tech content. Make sure to check that out over the course of 2024. And as always, you can find all of our content on mobilesyrup.com and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at mobilesyrup. Thank you. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.